0: Okay guys, confession time. Do you have some really crappy sleeping habits? Now I know when you're running a small business, sometimes the small hours of the morning or late at night is the best time for us to get chasing up invoices, reconciling stuff, answering emails, doing paperwork. I know from experience that sometimes that's the best time to be getting stuff done. But when you really stop and think about it, when you pull an all-nighter, how effective are you the next day? Are you really winning anything back by staying up late at night or are you just taking energy off yourself for the next day and you're really just trading hours not gaining hours? So I've had to have a really hard look at my sleeping habits and for the most part I think I've got a better routine down pat. I mean it's not always the case sometimes business just shows up and demands more attention and that's okay but that's got to be the exception not the rule. So I've started developing and sticking to a really good bedtime routine which for those of you with small kids will recognize that terminology because hey it's the thing we force upon our kids to have a good sleep why not we do it for ourselves so I wanted to share with you my bedtime routine which might sound weird but my bedtime routine involves reading some really really fantastic business family headspace books that I would love to share with you. So not only can you start sleeping better and performing better in your business, but also gaining some insights and some really smart people that have put together some really fantastic books. Ready? Let's jump in. You're listening to Taking Back Joy, a more than marketing podcast. This is where we dive into how to market your regional and rural small business sustainably without being stuck to your screen. I'm your host Meredith Page and I was born and raised in a small town full of fantastic small businesses and now I'm doing the same with my own family. I'm a marketing coach, a mum and a wife and I want to share with you everything I've learned and I'm still learning about juggling a family, business growth, mental well-being, and healthy boundaries. Here we market smarter not harder so we can take the busyness out of our businesses. If you're running a small business, raising small humans and trying to make a big difference in a small town, you're in the right place. This is taking back joy. So, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll know that I'm pretty into the headspace stuff because I believe it's a massive component of how you make, how you can kind of be for that sounding cliche, be your best self for business. I feel like you can't just run a successful small business in isolation and not take care of your body, your brain, the headspace stuff, the you time, habits, things like that. I really believe they're all connected. So as much as we've been doing a bit of a deep dive into the more sort of intense headspace stuff in the last couple of episodes, um, I thought I'd touch on something a bit lighter in this episode and that is one of the habits I've developed which is reading. So I am the sort of person that struggles if I don't get a lot of sleep and so I wanted to kind of tell you about why I fell into the habit of reading in the first place. And then I can sort of share with you some of my go-to books if you're gonna dive into like the self-help small business book space These are ones that I would love for you to share. I'm the sort of person that if I don't get enough sleep I am not a very pleasant human being to be around. So I really needed to develop some smart habits around sleep and uh, part research, part just comparing notes with my husband, part kind of a gut instinct I was using my phone way too late at night and this is a habit I still fall into sometimes. So this isn't like a one and done, the habits not nipped in the bud. This is something I'm constantly reminding myself I need to do better at. But using my phone late at night was giving me really interrupted sleep. Like it was really kind of firing up my brain again when I needed to be kind of calming down. And so I found that when I spend too much time on my phone right before bed, my brain was like whirring hundred miles an hour Um, And I was finding it really hard to fall asleep. I wasn't getting a nice deep sleep. So I started then reading or at least trying to read something in paper form too not on a kindle or anything like that it had to be handheld paper away from screen because i believe there's also a bit of research too that suggests that the kind of light that mobile devices emit actually mimics sunlight and so what it does is it throws off your brain chemicals and your brain doesn't actually because it's it's being hit with this intense light it actually kind of doesn't know what time of day it is anymore it's it's a really efficient way to throw your body system out and have it go, I don't know, what, what day is it? What's the date today? So, And then you kind of fall into this false uptick of energy right when you're trying to wind your body down. So I try really hard to kind of have screens off by like say 9, 9.30, sometimes, we all know in small business sometimes you just got to pull an all-nighter to catch up and get stuff done but no matter what time of night that is I always try to implement a wind down routine so I have a decent amount of time off screen winding down before I go to sleep now sometimes it means I'm winding down at midnight so the screen goes off at midnight because I can't squeeze any more water out of the sponge but then it's I have a shower I go to bed I read for a bit and then I find that if I do that, if I go through the motions of having the bedtime routine, I can actually fall asleep better and the quality of sleep I have is much better, even if it's only five or six hours because the kids are up early as well. I find if I'm going to have reduced sleep, it's at least it's going to be quality reduced sleep, not not light, easily interrupted short sleep. Um, And it's funny that when we realised, like this minute I realised that, I also realised like, wow, this is the sort of thing we get told as parents to do for our kids, have a good going to bed routine. Hmm, maybe we should still be doing it as grown-ups. So, I'm a big advocate for having smart bedtime routines, reading has been a big part of giving me a really good shutdown procedure for going to bed and like I said it gives me much better quality sleep and I fall asleep a lot faster if I've turned the screen off, had a shower or had like a break, maybe hung out the washing or something like that, something away from screens and intense thinking and then read and then gone to sleep. So the whole process can probably take sometimes half an hour to an hour but it does mean the quality of sleep I get is that much better. Now, I'm obviously not a medical professional, not a health expert. I'm sharing with you anecdotal, you know, um, sort of stories to maybe help you get better quality sleep. So then the next day, you're functioning at a higher level in your business and you are better for it. So that leads me on to the kinds of books that I'm reading. And some of them have been profoundly impactful on how I think um, and how I kind of operate. And I've sort of fallen madly into like the business self-help section, like I used to be a mad fiction lover, love especially like science fiction and fantasy and all that, but I found the storylines were a bit hard to follow if I only needed to read for like five, ten minutes a night to get me to sleep, I was finding it too hard to follow the story and that was frustrating for me, bit of a perfectionist, even when it comes to reading. So I started reading business books and self-help books because it was just little, like each chapter was like a little bite-sized takeaway. I didn't quite often, these books, one chapter doesn't really connect to the next, and you can kind of digest them in isolation. So I found it much easier to read and not feel super invested in, but still take something away. And it was still, um, yeah, still, I had like a note, I have like a notepad that lives next to the bed. And if something really hits me and it triggers a thought or an idea, I'll write it down, brain dump it out of my head that's kind of based on the exercise of journaling for anyone who's tried that. So anytime a thought kind of pops in, i make sure I've got somewhere to kind of put it down as well. So I'm going to bed with a clear mind that hasn't had screen time. So why don't you introduce you to some of my favorite books that I would love for you to kickstart your nighttime bedtime routine with. Um, what I will do in the show notes of the podcast is I'll share a link to all the books I'm mentioning. First one is a uh, Everything is outable by Marie Folio. Now, Marie Folio is a um, business coach based in the state. She's been doing it for, I think, over a decade. And it's, everything is outable for me was a really nice affirmation of a belief I've always kind of had. My interpretation of it is, it's not if, but how. And I found having that mindset shift in so many times where I've had to struggle with a decision. Thinking about a challenge not in terms of if I can do it but how I can do it really resets how I address problems because it then brings it then and this is what everything is figureoutable is also about too. It's about believing that there if you want something badly enough there is a way it's just a matter of how and are you willing to do what it takes to make that thing possible but everything in my mind is doable it just depends on well what's the trade-off and what is it going to take to get there and are you willing to do that and then like it's okay to sometimes assess and go I'm not willing to do that to achieve that so suddenly I don't want that that badly because now I've thought about what it is going to take to get there not really that keen that's okay too but rather than sitting in this defeatist mindset of like oh it'd be nice if I could do that no no how would what would that look like and am I willing to do that um Marie shares some fantastic kind of stories from her own trajectory um, into business in that book. And again, I found the book really good because it was a really good um, sort of confirmation that we don't all have it figured out. There's a lot of people out there who are doing really well who look like they have it all figured out but their journey is just as messy as ours and it is another kind of good reminder that don't compare someone's to someone's tomorrow with your today kind of thing like just because that's where they're at right now there's so many contributing factors that means that they're there and you're here and that's okay but we like that's very much like trying to compare yourself to someone like that is like comparing apples to oranges so the whole book is really about sort of staying in your lane believing in what's possible and just it's having that, having that idea of like it's not if but how. How do we make this work? There's got to be a way. Let's just figure it out. Everything's figure outable. I'm not sure if Murray covers it in the book too, but there's also something really interesting I heard her say once on a podcast talking about when you're trying to make a really tricky decision the idea of expanding and contracting and what that means and it's kind of like a kind of like an intellectual muscle that the more you use it, the better you get at it this is something that I rely on a lot in my personal kind of decision making process is when you're faced with a decision that's particularly tough the idea is that you sit with the decision and you sit kind of with the fallout of going one way or the other and you sort of then just listen to your gut and how do you feel like when you think about a particular approach to a decision um, or a situation, do you feel yourself expanding and sort of like leaning into it and being like excited and lifting into it or do you feel yourself contracting and shrinking away? And when you first start doing this, if you haven't been someone who's been guided by your gut a lot, the difference probably will be quite subtle but the more you kind of give yourself the space and time to really just sit and think about the decision and feel what your body's reaction is to it, the better you will get at listening to that. That's another really big thing I've taken away from Marie. One I wanted to share with you is Twelve Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. So he's a psychologist, I believe, or a psychiatrist. I'm not sure which one he is. He's actually getting a lot of traction at the time of recording this. Well, I think he's. I don't know if it's just because he's on my radar or not. He's actually coming out to Australia to do a series of lectures around his um his follow-up book 12 more rules for life it's called beyond order I'm going to be reading that um so he's actually coming out to Australia later in 2022 to do a series of seminars around that I found this book came to me in a really interesting time I started reading it I don't know how I got the recommendation but I started reading it throughout the intensity of the 2021 COVID mandates kind of crap and it was really interesting I found that each time I read a chapter it was almost like that's the thing I needed to hear that day to to figure out what was going on with people and the things I wasn't quite understanding that day As it's it can be quite heavy going because this guy's obviously highly intellectual so there are points in this book where it gets really really intense like there's a lot of um, references to classical literature religion um, you know, theology, and he, it, it, I actually kind of like the way that he uses religion as a um, extract of human thought from a particular point in time, and how it's kind of like an, okay, uh, it's kind of what should have like an Aesop's Fable kind of element in our lives, where it's like, it's kind of like a series of universal truths and stories that we should be able to extract meaning from, and then to illustrate that further, here is all these references in classical literature that also paint the same picture and tell the same story. Now, I found that his take on humanity and psychology and how we should all be kind of relating to ourselves and each other really refreshing, especially in this period we're experiencing in 2022 there's a lot of, like, There's going to be a lot of buzzwords coming at you hard and fast right now. So for anyone who listens to this in 10 years time is going to be like, what the hell were they talking about back then? But it was like this whole idea of like wokeness and cancel culture and no one can say the right thing anymore in case you offend someone. Like the way he addresses all those issues in this really profound and universal way was actually really Grounding, and it was really refreshing to hear someone with a lot of intellect and professional clout having a really practical stance on a lot of these things and not telling you to just be like a bull at a gate barge through life saying and doing as you choose but he's able to he's able to kind of frame a lot of these issues in like well this is what we actually know about human psychology this is the way humans have been relating to each other for thousands of years here's how you can work on yourself to make yourself a better person and fit within this broader dynamic of the world that you find yourself in Um, it kind of became a bit of a bible for me through that really hard part of 2021 and I'm really grateful that book came across my desk because it did help me better understand some of the things I was seeing at play in the broader social landscape and how that kind of related back to humanity and just better ways to understand it and deal with it highly recommend that especially if you're a bit of like a psychology nerd like me like i I love that part of marketing. I love the whole kind of human behaviour. How can we kind of speak to people's thoughts and feelings and emotions? How can we talk to people on like a psychological level? I love that kind of stuff about marketing. Not when it's used against people. I just love understanding it. So I'm a bit of a psychology nerd. I love that book. Highly recommend that one. But bear in mind that it can get quite intense. So if you're looking for a light read before bed, maybe not that one. Hey guys, I just wanted to jump in here real quick and let you know about my brand new mastermind, The Exit Strategy. This is a marketing mastermind where we keep each other accountable, we set the plans, we set our strategies for our content And the whole idea is about keeping ourselves accountable to the bigger picture game plan and constantly trying to stay ahead of the game when it comes to marketing and promoting our small businesses. Because when we have a bigger picture strategy like this, it allows us to keep our eyes on the big prize and not allow ourselves to get stuck in the success or failure of individual posts or emails or things like that. And in doing so, we'll put faith and the right energy into the daily and weekly actions we're taking now, knowing that it's not about what we're just doing today, it's about what we're doing for the long term that's really gonna make it count. If you'd like to jump in and join me in this monthly marketing mastermind where we get together once a month via Zoom, we set our intentions, we check in with these big picture plans, and then we make sure that we're staying on top of our monthly to-do list in terms of our marketing, head over to my website and sign up today. Another one that had a massive, massive impact on me was the 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. So I think the biggest takeaway I got from this book was taking ownership of your time and that your time is yours. It's a non-renewable resource and you need to get very territorial about it. Not like a nasty kind of don't talk to me way, but... It was really good about talking about boundaries around your time. The idea that we're constantly meant to be on, like we're always checking different messenger apps and it kind of feels like people are always at us. And I've talked about this in the podcast previously. So what he, there's one technique that he employs where it's like, okay, you're now going to check your inbox or your messaging service or your, you know, contact method of choice twice a day. And you're not going to actually start your day with it either. You will start your day, have a list, your to-do list, priority list. Start your day with that. Achieve something straight out of the gate. And then maybe 10, 11 o'clock or however your day looks like, not at the very start but sometime in when you're ready to kind of switch gears, that's when you have your first check. Now also make it clear to people that that is what you're doing. Don't surprise people with that, especially if you've been the sort of person that's been at everyone's beck and call for way too long and people now have that expectation of you. Let everybody know. Say, look, okay, I'm just... And there's always, a, there's always a good way to frame this stuff. You can, like, so the way I frame it, I've got, um, I think, a little disclaimer in my email signature and there's a couple of other places and when I talk to people about it, I say, look, when I'm concentrating, I want to make sure I'm completely invested in the work in front of me for the benefit of the person for whom that work is for. So I will only be checking my emails and things like that um, a couple of times a day, probably like 11 and 2. So if what you need to talk to me about is urgent, please call me and then if I can I will stop what I'm doing and I'll answer the f- the phone knowing that it's probably urgent but if it's not urgent please send it to me in an email and I've tried to I try to kind of funnel people to my email as well because I can't I find it too easy to lose conversations and lose track of people in like Facebook messages and DMs and all that stuff so I try to funnel people into email but if you phrase it in a sense of I'm doing this so I can work better for you so I can be better on deck for you people will respect and it's kind of hard to argue with that it's kind of Hard to argue with someone wanting to go. Oh, I'm trying to be more efficient and better at my job. So can you please respect my time? And that was one of the biggest takeaways I got from that book: is taking ownership of your time. It is your time. You are not at everyone's beck and call. You have boundaries. You have a life. You have a family. So don't be afraid to establish boundaries around that. And I think a lot of us, especially in the small business landscape where it's very much like we can't afford to miss any opportunity, I think we worry that when we start saying no to people, we'll lose them. I took the leap and did this, my business has not suffered for it. Uh, if anything what it does is it filters out the people who do expect you to be on demand if that's not how you want to work it's probably good to know that early in your relationship anyway and then other people just respect it and like I think what it's good too is when we start being honest about this stuff with each other as well so when we start being honest with the fact that look you know what I'm not going to be responsive between five and eight because it's witching out at my house it's dinner time bath time bedtime story time that stuff's important I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna answer work calls during that time sorry not all well, not sorry don't apologize. The more that we talk about those things being important, the more it gives permission to the people we're talking to to also state that as a priority. So I think a lot of us are working on what we think are the expectations of other people in the room and none of us want to kind of stand on our soapbox and go, I don't care what your expectations are, these are mine, these are my boundaries, you can have your own, that's cool, these are mine. I don't think, I think that a lot of time we don't want to be the first person to make that call, we don't want to be the first person to stand up and go, um, excuse me, just so you know, this is my hula hoop, this is where, this is my line, you can have your hula hoop, this is mine, don't come in it, this is, these are my set times, this is my priorities, this is what I will do, this is what I will not do, any questions? And I think too many of us are scared to have that conversation first, but when someone else in the room says that, it's very much easier for us to then go, oh, that's, that applies to me, just everything she said, me too. So don't be afraid to be the first person to state your boundaries because I guarantee the person you might be talking to goes, oh my God, thank you. Like I just, I can't do first thing in the morning chats. Like after the school run, I'm a bit of a mess for half an hour just trying to get my head straight. If we could meet at 10, that'd be great. The more we're honest with each other about what our boundaries are and what's important to us, you may find more people are honest with you and you actually have more in common than you think. So um, biggest takeaway from that, four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Another one, oh, I loved this one. Um, You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen, Jen Sincero. I actually got this from my business coach, my first business coach when I wrapped up was the best like end of coaching session gift. This is just a really good practical chat about money and money mindset um, and the way this woman writes is hilarious, like you could almost hear her voice in your head and if you're the sort of person that's struggling with your headspace around money and value and things like that, really, really, really good read because it's just like talking to, it's almost like if you had a really good mate who's also really good with money and you go gone to the pub for a feed, like that's what this book sounds like and it's so, So it's just really, really good intersection of, like, talking real shit about money and value and what you're worth and the hang-ups we have about it. And she's just, like, I've earmarked so many pages in this book. Um, So this is just a real, like cut the crap kind of book it's really really she has a whole series of them I found this money one particularly good I'm going to be very interested to read the other one she's got but yeah if money and the what your attitude towards money if you have what's called a scarcity mindset we always feel like you're clutching at it because you're so worried there's not enough of it out there for you really good 101 level finance headspace book love that one another one that I love and this is for all my small business peeps who are also mums and dads, and there's a lot of you out there. Parental is Anything by Maggie Dent. So she's an Australian, now what's her official? She's an, I think, she, I don't know if she's a childhood counselor. Let me just see. She's a parenting author and educator. Um, I know this isn't exactly business related, but the more we can learn about the things we're struggling with in our lives, the better we can handle them. That's my philosophy. In this case, It was my very intense then two-year-old when I bought this. He had a shocking, like his terrible twos were terrible. He is an absolute delight now. Like he's still challenging and he's still, I'll be frank, a shit stirrer. Like, classic example, I was taught, we were, not toilet training, but you know how some days they just, they kind of forget they're toilet trained. Well, anyway, I was having one of those mornings this morning with my two year old, and not only was I, three year old, he's, he's now three, not only was I dealing with that, but I had to address him as Mario the whole time because he was no longer his name, he was Mario because he was playing Mario and Luigi with his friends at school. So the whole time I'm trying to explain to him that he needs to be careful not not make a mess, he kept correcting me and asking that I call him Mario. Which made the didn't make the conversation easier by any stretch, but he, that's him better now. So back then he was a two year old dealing with a speech impediment and a whole bunch of other stuff going on, and p P.S. he was also a two-year-old in 2020 so all the shit that was going on in 2020 on top of what he was struggling with personally with like not being able to articulate himself and I was just looking for how can I better understand this kid he's not broken he's not bad I can see that he's not naughty and he's a very loving child like he's very affectionate he's the one that will just come running up to me and just go I just love you mum." like he's beautiful something was going on with him I just need to better understand him because my oldest child is one of those kids that makes you look amazing as a parent like and you think it's you until you have another one my seven-year-old is the sort of kid who, who just would sit in the corner and do puzzles for hours or play with blocks and just do as he's told and would just put things away and i was like guys it's just rules and boundaries like parenting's not that hard and then i had my second one and i was like oh <laughs> oh he was just so i'd have a second one i see so Maggie Dent, this parental is anything, biggest thing she talks about is roosters and lambs. Now anyone who's heard, she also does a podcast, Um, anyone who's heard her talk will recognise her analogy for roosters and lambs. And as soon as I read that I was like, oh, I have one of each. That explains it. So lambs being like the softer, sensitive, probably more prone to anxiety which is my seven-year-old to a T. And then you've got your roosters, which are loud, boisterous, kind of bull-in-a-china-shop types, very much my three-year-old. But it was really good how she sort of talked about how unpacking those personality types and what you can do to kind of support what each of those personality types needs to feel confident was really good because it meant that I knew, it just helped me better understand how I needed to parent both of my kids differently, what they needed different times, and just how they responded to... Situations, challenges, feedback. It was just, again, it was really one of those really good books. Was like, know what you're up against, so you're better equipped to handle it. Don't suffer in silence. Educate yourself. Put yourself in a position to be better equipped to handle it. And it's great. And like parenting books for me are probably right up there with um, self help workbooks. You know, like I just the more knowledge I can acquire about what kids need, what my business needs, psychology, all that kind of stuff. It's just just more knowing more knowing makes you better equipped for challenges because you just you have more tools in your toolbox to handle them now my bonus one uh, profit first I haven't actually finished this one because this one is less of a reader and more of a workbook um so I've gotten part way through because he talks you through the process of actually putting profits in your business first which I thought it's one of those things you read and then you sort of think about it and go Oh no! Shoot! Of course you should do that. So he talks of and like he actually shares a really heartbreaking, heartwarming story about how he was this gung ho business owner, but actually none of it was sustainable, and he did end up losing everything. And he had this really interesting interaction with his daughter. I won't spoil it for you. It's really, really lovely. Bit of a tear-joker, especially if you're a parent. Like it's just the way his daughter kind of comes to t- tries to come to his rescue. It's really beautiful. So what he kind of the, the key philosophy in this one is the idea that it's almost like when we talk about paying ourselves, like you shouldn't pay yourself last in your business because then that isn't a sustainable business. Same as like a sustainable business has profits, so you should set aside profit first and then make the rest, make what's left work. But that can be like a really like, okay, where do you start, how much profit should I be making? He's actually got some like um, algorithms and frameworks that he uses to help you calculate what kind of percentages. So he works on percentages too. So you can be really, really small, really, really big. He's got... um He's got, oh, what's, what's the terminology? He's got, like, bands that your business can sit in, or tiers. And then at each tier, he kind of has his framework for what percentage of what you're turning over should be paid to you, profit sitting in the business, expenses, tax. Now, bear in mind it's an American book, so the American taxation system might be a little bit different to ours, but it was just a really, really good wake-up call as to, like, wow, profit should actually not just be the bit you scrape at the bottom once you've done everything else. Profit should be actually something you set aside first, and then everything else. Now I had a little bit of a, I had a little bit of a leg up on that, on that mindset because when I first started my business, I was setting up my business to replace my part time income. So I had a very clear income goal and very clear things that needed to pay for in order to be sustainable and to be called a success. It wasn't, I wasn't in a position where it's like I'm going to do this thing and just make as much money as possible. And now, in hindsight, that was a blessing because I had a very clear set of KPIs my business had to meet to be called a success. Whereas when you're just in the mindset of, I oh, just make as much as possible, well, how do you know if you're successful if it's just your KPIs more? Like. How do you know when to go, oh, so that worked. I hit my target in this amount of time. Now let's see if I can hit a bigger target in the same amount of time. There's no target when your you target is more. So I was really lucky that I had a shortcut in that because that's how I had to set my business up because I had certain financial aspects of our finances that I had to meet. And so that was my target. It's like, okay, well, if this business can be making this much each week and I can directly replace my income, then that's, that's the target. But similarly, so for me, paying myself wasn't ever an issue because the whole point of me working for myself was to pay myself. So I never got stuck in that hole of, oh shit, now the business is okay, but I'm starving. I need to now find a wage in this business. That was always me from the beginning. Flips or adding onto that it would have also been good to, to start, start out in business with a profit target in mind. So it's like almost like paying a bill. It's like, okay, there's my profit. There's my pay to myself. Now, how do I make the rest of this work? And I feel like as I'm going through it, I feel like what he's telling you, the percentages do seem really realistic. Now, you've got to make the best financial decision for your business. But I thought the philosophy about putting that profit first, i.e. the name, rather than it being just the profit is whatever is left over, I don't think that's a good mindset to have towards profit. Profit should be something that it goes first because that's why you're in business to make a profit to be sustainable and to be growing really good saying that my dad told me once was that if things aren't getting better typically they're getting worse things really stay the same so that that ties in nicely with this idea of profit first because it's like if you're not making profits there might be a good chance you're making a loss so guys I really hope that that's given you not only like a reason to start developing some healthy habits around your sleep and around going to bed at night so you can be hot performing at a higher level in your business, but also a good start on some books that can, because I know what we're all like, we're all small business overachievers and it's like how can I squeeze as much value and productivity in everything as possible? That's how my mindset anyway. So this is gonna mean that your wind down technique, going to bed, Might also be super valuable for your headspace and your business and your family as well. Um, Other than that, guys, thank you so much for sharing space with me and letting me into your ears and for those watching, into your eyeballs, I guess. Um, I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Taking Back Joy. Did this episode happen to spark an idea in your business brain? I'd love to hear how this topic helped you. So take a screenshot of you listening right now, post it to Instagram and tag me at meredithpage.me and tell me in the caption what your big takeaway was from this episode. Thanks, guys. See you next time.